0: Welcome to the Liberty Café, where oppression is on the menu. Teacher unions destroying our public schools. Texas politicians destroying Texas's electricity grid. All this and more on this week's episode 98 of the Liberty Café. Hi, I'm Bill Peacock, and I'm glad to have you here this week on the Liberty Café. It's always a blessing to have you with me, as it is a blessing also to be sponsored by Texas Scorecard. It's a great group of men and women over there fighting for our liberty and theirs. And I encourage you to go to TexasScorecard.com, listen to podcasts, read the articles, and, and even contribute your own content. They would love to have you take part. So go on over there. And also, if you or finding the Liberty Cafe through the Texas Scorecard Network, run on over to my website, excellentthought.net. I write a lot about faith, politics, and culture over there, the intersection between all of those, and I hope you might enjoy it. So go on over there to excellentthought.net and see what you can find that you might be interested in. All right, now I'm going to do something a little bit different today. Just got a couple of news articles that I'd like to talk through just a little bit. And um, let us see what we can learn from these two articles. Actually, the first one isn't an article at all. It's a tweet from the Texas State Teachers Association, which is affiliated with the National Education Association. So they're all, unfortunately, all teacher unions are just not good. They're not for good for our kids. They're not good for our budgets. They're not good for liberty because they have... Bound together for, well, I I can't, I guess the best way to put this is for evil purposes. Uh, They they don't believe, and that starts with the fact that they don't believe that God should be in the classroom. I would suggest that probably a lot of them don't believe in God at all, but whether they have faith or not, they don't believe that our children in our schools should learn about God. Now, we, we know all the arguments. Um, why people make that argument, but if the the answer to that is if God is the one true true God and he is the creator of heaven and earth and of all of us in heaven and earth, and he is, then everything that we do, including educate our children, should teach about him. Now, of course, there are some people in public schools and You don't believe in Jesus Christ, and they object to that. Well, that kind of gets back to the whole point that maybe we shouldn't have public schools in the first place because it's an impossible job that we have set up in this situation. So in one sense, you can't blame the NEA or any teachers unions for this mess because it's politicians who have set up our public schools and and gotten us to the place where we have this uh, anti-Christian agenda. In all our public schools across the nation. But that's not really what I came here today to talk about. I I just wanted to talk a little bit about this tweet. So let me just read it to you. This went out on September 30th, so just a few days ago from when I'm recording this. It says, Greg Abbott is lying about his record on teacher pay. He only focused on public school finance after his slim margin of victory in 2018. Teachers continue to fall behind the rest of the nation in teacher pay and have less power, buying power, than they had in 2019. Well, the the, the truth of the matter is that maybe uh, probably a lot of what they're saying here is true. I didn't watch the debate between Abbott and Beto, and I'm assuming, or should we say Francis O'Rourke? But I'm assuming that's what they're talking about, that Abbott was touting his record about public education, Um, and actually, he's wrong in doing that, because you can't pander to these teachers' unions. No matter how much money you spend on them, you can't win them over, as we've seen here, because both Abbott and Dan Patrick and the Texas legislature have gone on a spending spree over the last two legislative sessions, starting in 2019. And then again, 2021, trying to placate these teachers and the school administrators and the school, um, school boards and all those kind of things. They're trying to get these folks off their back. And I think if maybe they could spend enough money on these folks, they'll just leave them alone. But as we see in this tweet that you just can't do that, they're going to keep coming after them. After these politicians, Republican politicians, and coming after them and coming after them until they can get rid of them. Because what teacher unions and, and most public school educators and, and superintendents and school board members all have in common is they, they is that they don't have much in common with Republicans or better yet, conservatives and Christians. And so whatever. Uh, so-called Republican conservative might offer to them is still a, they were still anathema to the, to the schools. So, so that's a big lesson to learn from, and and we can see that in the fact that what they wrote here is actually true, because it was after not just Abbott. Abbott's margin wasn't too slim. He had probably the biggest margin of all the statewide elections in 2018. You got to remember, that's the midterm for the Trump election, Trump in the Trump uh, administration, midterm elections. And it was a wave for the Democrats in, in a lot of ways. We won't get into why it was a wave, but it was in a lot of places. And they wiped out a bunch of uh, Republican lawmakers and they made in Texas the, the margins that Republicans had typically – earned in elections much more narrow and Abbott's wasn't so bad. Dan Patrick's was less. And then Ken Paxton, I think, had the the very less. And he, I think he, he, by, by two or three points, something like that. You also have to remember that. I think that was when Beto or Francis first ran when he ran for the U S Senate against um, Ted Cruz and his margin was, was better than, um, than our Attorney General Ken Paxton's, but not as good as some of these others. So actually what happened was that Greg Abbott and Dan Patrick flipped on a lot of the stuff they had been saying about public education, particularly D- Dan Patrick had been very pro-school choice. He had, uh, a year or two before, he had been on a panel at Texas Public Policy Foundation, my former employee employer and with the lieutenant governor from nevada who they just done some really great stuff on school choice up there and dan patrick was all in and he was still all in uh, heading towards the 2019 or mostly in heading towards the 2019 legislative session but all of a sudden those um, 2018 results came in november of 2018 and patrick flipped overnight on those and why did he flip? Well, because he was scared. He was scared that Republicans were going to lose power. Of course, he's a Republican. He wants to maintain power. He, you know, he had his office for the next four years, but he didn't want to lose Republican majorities in the House and Texas Senate. So he flipped overnight. Everything that he had been saying about school choice went out the window. Instead, he came out of the shoots in the 2019 legislative session pushing for a $5 billion a year teacher pay raise. That was his big – that's how he was going to solve the problem, not of public education, but of buying off these school districts because he became convinced, I believe, that if he could placate teachers and teachers unions and school districts, he could reach into and get suburban moms – and keep them from going over to the Democratic side. thats I'm pretty sure that's where he wound up on all this. So he thought, throw billions of dollars of your money and my money at teachers, teacher pays $5 billion uh, per, I think it's per biennium, so $2.5 billion per year, and all our problems would be solved if all of our problems being solved, meaning that we maintain a Republican majority. I'd suggest, of course, that we've had Republicans in charge, totally in charge of Texas for almost 20 years now. 2003, they've had the House, they've had the Senate, they've had the the uh, governor and lieutenant governor and the comptroller and every other office you can think of. The Supreme Court. I I think we could have done a lot better over these 20 years than they have with Republicans in charge. I'd much prefer having conservatives in charge, but Uh, The the basic point here is that it doesn't work. It, It doesn't solve our problems to throw billions of dollars at teachers unions. First of all, they won't let up on us. Second of all, the real problem is the government throwing billions of dollars at stuff. And throwing billions of dollars at teachers doesn't solve the problem. It makes it worse because then somebody else comes along and wants some money, and then the Republicans buy them off. Big business wants some money, we buy them off. So the bottom line here is that, first of all, I think the bottom line would be don't pander to our leftist foes. It doesn't help us. Second of all, if we really want to pursue liberty in this state, we have to stop spending money like we are. And and, and that's the other problem that's been going on the last two years is, the spending has gone out of control. They're hiding it with a bunch of the numbers, and I hope to be able to do something on that soon. But uh, pandering and spending doesn't bring liberty. All right. The second thing I want to touch on here is an article with the um, with the new CEO of um, ERCOT. Remember, we have a. Of course, we had the Texas electricity grid, and the whole thing collapsed during winter storm. URI, a uh, year and a half ago or so, something like that. And the um, CEO, of course, got fired, as did the three PUC commissioners. And and basically the whole ERCOT board, ERCOT manages a grid for the state of Texas. It's a quasi-governmental entity. And so they, they changed everything. There's now five PUC commissioners, Public Utility Commission of Texas, commissioners, they've all been reappointed uh, by, they've all been appointed by Governor Abbott. And then we've got a whole new board for ERCOT and no longer, it used to be made up of members of the industry because they were the ones who were managing the industry. They knew the best how to do it. Now, it doesn't mean they always did it right, but at least they had the knowledge and expertise. Now we have this board of folks who may or may not know something about electricity, but they're certainly not down in the, um, in the weeds. They're basically political appointees now running ERCOT. That shouldn't make us um, excited about the future of the Texas electricity grid. And then finally, just recently, we have a new CEO of ERCOT, Pablo Vegas. Now, he, he's new. He's got a lot of experience, I think, in this area. But the, the thing was, he's a political appointee, too in part because I don't know all the details, but Greg Abbott apparently, according to the news reports, had to get in and get involved with the hiring of the new CEO when the board of ERCOT couldn't make it happen for whatever reason. So the whole system has become politicized, which is absolutely the wrong way to go about it. Markets work when the buyers and the sellers come together and decide what market outcomes should be. This is the product we're gonna sell. This is the product we're gonna buy. This is the price we're gonna sell it for. This is the price we're gonna buy it for. This is the quantity we're gonna offer. This is the quantity we're gonna buy. All those kind of things are worked out best when buyers and sellers expressing their preferences to each other through exchanging uh, money for goods and services. But when you get regulators, involved and politicians involved, all of a sudden you have the the opinions of a few, in this case, maybe a few dozen or a few hundred regulators replacing the opinions and desires of millions of Texas customers. And that works just as true in the energy market as it does in the computer market and the automobile market and the insurance market. And uh, the housing market, wherever it is, when you have regulators come in, they're basically replacing their opinions and ideas for those in the market itself. And things just aren't going to work out well. So there's an interview in, uh, I think it was the Dallas Morning News, with uh, the CEO, uh, Mr. Vegas. And and I just want to read one quote that was in this and, and just comment on it. And let me read the question too and then I'll, then I'll comment on it. A recent Dallas Morning News University of Texas Tyler at Tyler poll found that only 14% of Texas have high confidence in the, in the grid stability. Nearly half of Texans are not confident in its reliability and 20 have zero confidence in the grid. How do you rebuild that trust? And here's his answer. It is a really concerning set of facts to hear that feedback because what you want and expect for an electric grid is for people not to really have to think about it because it's always there and it's always reliable. And that frankly has been the goal of the utilities and the electric grid operators. What I think we have to do is get back to that place where Texans don't need to be thinking about this every day. We have to continue to execute. And what ERCOT has been doing over the last 12 to 18 months has been executing. They have been improving the way that they operate the grid so that they never come to a place where they have to ask somebody not to have power. That has been the way you rebuild trust, through steady, consistent execution. Well, and I know that this gentleman is very knowledgeable and smart about how to manage electricity grids. But I'd have to say that he's not very knowledgeable about how markets actually work and how they're supposed to work. He probably knows how they work today in this era of excessive regulation, but but not really the how they should be working in a, in a place where liberty is valued more than well, more than anything else, life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness or property. Now, now in one, one sense, he's right. You know, We as consumers would like to just, most of us would like to just be able to go on, turn on the lights, the lights come on, the AC comes on, the refrigerator keeps working, and that's it. And then we pay a bill that is a reasonable, affordable bill. Mainly what we're looking for here is affordability and reliability. Notice that the uh, topic of affordability doesn't come up here in this uh, question, and, and it doesn't come up anywhere in the interview that he gives. And, and that's that's a problem, because really, he says here, what did he say, that um, that's what he says that what ERCOT has been doing over the last 12 to 18 months has been executing. They've been improving the way that they operate the grid so that they never have to come to a place where they have to ask somebody not to have power. Well, what they've really been doing along those lines is throwing so much of your money and our money at this problem. They hope that that will stop, solve the problem. I mean, Yeah, I'm sure they've been doing some technical improvements and some systematic systems improvements to this, but really what they've been doing is throwing your money and my money at the problem at the problem and thinking that will fix it. But I guarantee you that making electricity more expensive won't make the grid more reliable. In fact, like I said earlier, when you substitute the opinion of a few hundred bureaucrats, dozens or hundreds of bureaucrats for the knowledge and opinions of millions of market participants, consumers, and generators, and transmission operators, and those kinds of things, what you have is a tremendous information loss. Now, these bureaucrats sit up here and they have all these studies done and all those kind of things, but that's it just gathers a microscopic part of the information about what people want. And people express that through buying and selling in the marketplace. And and so what you have automatically in a heavily regulated system like we have here in ERCOT is a less efficient market. And what ERCOT has been doing over the last 18 months is one, as I mentioned, throwing our money at the problem. Two, using that money to more heavily regulate the system. So the system has actually becoming less efficient over the last 18 months and more expensive. A less efficient, more expensive electricity system is going to be less reliable. The reason, though, they're doing this largely is because they're throwing all this money at it and they're making it more regulated because there's this problem underlying all this and it's it's the, um, the the big pink elephant in the room and it's, get this, it's intervention in the market. What ERCOT and the PUC and the Texas legislature have been doing really for the last decade or so is increasing inter, government intervention in the market. The, the primary part of that has been Subsidies for renewable energy. Texas has been increasing subsidies for renewable energy during that time. The federal government has been doing the same thing. And that the the thing about renewable energy, when the wind isn't shining, I'm sorry, when the sun isn't shining and the wind isn't blowing, solar and wind generation don't work. And that creates all kinds of problems. And yes, you can throw a lot of money at the system. You know, you can put batteries in. You can get backup generation. Uh, I've heard, uh, you know, last session, uh, Berkshire Hathaway, uh, Warren Buffett's company, offered to build eight billion dollars worth of um, of new generation and then sell it to us and make us pay for it. Well, you know, you can do those kinds of things, but it costs a lot of money, and it still doesn't fix the underlying problem, which is the unreliability of wind and solar. So rather than take that on, they're throwing money and regulations at the market. And there's other places they're intervening too, because guess what happens when you have an unreliable market where wind energy is pushing electricity prices down at the wrong times which is causing a lack of profits in the generators who would normally be helping us out by building new natural gas generation, which is reliable. Well, What happens? Well, the natural gas generators go broke. They don't build. And then they start clamoring for subsidies. So now ERCOT is pushing subsidies towards not just renewable generation, but traditional generation as well. And uh, numbers I've seen that that's going to be about $2 billion this year, which is right on par with the uh, the amount of money that renewable generation is getting as well. So all in all, between uh, just say here in the state of Texas, not even including the federal government, I estimate that over $4 billion of cost of being added to our electricity bills or property tax bills by – Regulators at the PEC, the governor, the lieutenant governor, and the Texas legislature. That's just this year alone. It just is getting worse and worse and worse. So you don't rebuild trust through steady, consistent execution if that steady, consistent execution is ignoring the underlying problem and, in, in fact, exacerbating the problem by intervening more in a market where the problem with the market in the first place was caused by more intervention. All right. Well, that's this week's Liberty Cafe, episode 98. I'm really glad that you are with me here today. And I'm also glad to be part of the Texas Scorecard Network. So go on over to TexasScorecard.com, see what they have offered over there for you. And also visit my website, excellentplot.net. Thank you for listening to the Liberty Cafe with Bill Peacock. This show is produced by Texas Scorecard. You can learn more about this show and find other shows at texasscorecard.com. Be sure you subscribe and rate the show on whatever platform you listen on. See you next time.